It's the Pages of Popcorns Podcast. Jennifer and Kelia will edify you. It's the Pages of Popcorns Podcast. Jennifer and Kelia are gonna talk, so you'd better damn well listen. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Pages and Popcorn Podcast. On the heels of our episode about Wild, you know the book and the movie, where Reese Witherspoon walks through her personal demons while lugging an incredibly heavy backpack over a thousand miles without a hat or sunglasses. Yeah, that one. We wanted to bring you what I'm affectionately calling Voices from the Trail. In other words, Jennifer and I roped two people that we know into telling us about their experiences on the PCT. Jennifer's interview with Michael is coming up in just a sec, but first, a bit of trivia. The PCT, or Pacific Crest Trail, is around 2,650 miles, give or take. The trail's southern tip is just south of Campo, California by the U.S. border with Mexico, and its northern tip is on the Canada-U.S. border on the edge of Manning Park in British Columbia. It passes through the states of California, Oregon, and Washington, and ranges in elevation from just about sea level in the Oregon-Washington border to 13,153 feet at Forester Pass in the Sierra Nevadas. The route passes through 25 national forests and seven national parks. Its midpoint is near Chester, California, near Mount Lawson, where the Sierra and Cascade Mountains ranges meet. It was designated a National Scenic Trail in 1968, although it was not officially completed until 1993. I'll have more trivia and some vocabulary for you after Michael's interview. Hi, Michael. As I know it, you've uh, been quite the hiker, and you once hiked at least part of the PCT. When did you do this, and how far did you get? So I hiked the PCT in 2018. I made it about 1,200 miles, a little bit past Lake Tahoe. And uh, it was definitely one of the most interesting experiences of my life. I met a lot of friends and actually uh, going on from that, my group of friends and I kind of ended up exploring more of the trail at different times and even uh, even going so far as to take a group trip up to Alaska together. So it was definitely a good year and it was a excellent experience. Nice. So how did you get into hiking the PCT? Why did you want to do that? Well, I was working this office job uh, in Hollister, and it was a good job, but it meant I was sitting at a desk for, you know, hours and hours of the day. And then sometimes I'd be called in uh, in the evenings, and basically I was just feeling uh, a little claustrophobic from all the time spent indoors. And even though Hollister is uh, lucky enough to have Pinnacles National Park nearby, and I you know, I've loved hiking for many years, so I've had that as an escape. I was starting to feel a little hemmed in from everything and felt like it was time to do something a little bit bigger. And that's when I came across a book by an author named Carrot Quinn, who writes uh, a book titled Through Hiking Will Break Your Heart. And this book pretty much convinced me that hiking the PCT was something I want to do. So I uh, saved up some cash, told my boss, I gave him like three months notice and uh, then I went and did it and I had an excellent time. So how did you prepare for your hike? Preparation wise it was a lot of reading blogs a lot of seeing what other people packed a lot of checking on uh, what kind of equipment I need. There's a there's a great resource by um, halfwayanywhere.com which gives all sorts of uh, 
does kind of like an annual survey about the PCT. So you can see what other people do, where they sent packages, what they don't do. So I did a lot of research. I also did a lot of training. I uh, spent a couple months at the gym working up to it, walking on the treadmill, and then also um, did a lot of a lot of day hikes, long, you know, eight or 12 hour hikes in Pinnacles National Park and around there, similar places. So that was kind of the preparation I did. Yeah, I remember talking to you about that when you were going through it. And I remember how closely you monitored the weight of your equipment. Yeah, this is a pretty uh, typical thing for through hikers is uh, wondering about the weight of your pack because everything you carry, you're going to carry with you for almost six months if you do the entire trail, five, five months, somewhere around there, depending on how fast or slow you are. And so you've got this weight on your back and every pound of weight is multiplied by thousands of miles of travel. So it's a lot easier if you have a lighter pack. So I did a lot of research into um, what was affordable because I was on a budget and what was, uh, what was lightweight. And then I was sure to, once I had my gear, test it out on those longer day hikes around, around Pinnacles National Park and other places, just so I knew what it felt like to be carrying that much. I got to tell you, the first time I put my pack on, even though, you know, my, my weight was not that bad. Uh, my base weight was something like 11 pounds, which is pretty good. Uh, but then you toss in a week's worth of food, you toss in your water, you know, you're talking 35, 45 pounds, depending on other gear, if you've got a bear canister or whatever. Um, and it all yeah. adds up. Water can be surprisingly heavy, especially over long hikes like that. Yeah, and it's so important uh, to carry water. That's one of the things you really figure out uh, as you go, if you don't already <laughs> know going into it, is uh, you know just how vital uh, for your comfort levels, if not your actual health, carrying the right amount of water is. After the first time I made a mistake and carried too little in like the first uh, two weeks of the hike, I made sure to always carry uh, extra water. So in the book, in the movie, uh, Cheryl Strayed talks about sort of those times when she's out of water and you have certain stations that you can go to on the PC trail. Did you rely on those really heavily to get your water? Were there times when there was just nothing available or something that was expected wasn't there? So there's a, there's a lot of resources while you're hiking that will uh, allow you to keep track of where up, upcoming water is and where it isn't. There's a there's a phone app. Uh, when I used it, it was Gut Hooks Guides. I think they've rebranded as something uh, which would give you um, kind of like a social network just for through hikers. You could uh, leave comments on different waypoints, stuff like this, this spring is dry right now. And so you kind of had to plan ahead as you were hiking where the next water was, how far you could go, and be sure you're caring enough to make that distance. But as far as water resources, yeah, there's a lot of the trail where definitely your comfort, if not even your ability to do it, are completely dependent on just volunteers who are helping people out by providing water stations. This is like a huge thing that people are doing out of the kindness of their heart. And it always feels pretty amazing to, to hike up to one of these places where there's just stacks of water available to refill your, your canister, your jugs, or whatever you've got, you know, refill your water bottles. I was using, a, it's pretty common because people want lightweight. So I was using just empty uh, smart water bottles 
because my filter would attach to them. And um, so you roll up to these places and you refill. And it's just so nice that people are doing this. Without those, you would have to make a lot of more difficult decisions about how far you're willing to hike between water sources, especially depending on weather, because the temperature of the area, the time you leave to hike, drought conditions, all these things come together to inform how far you and under what conditions you're able to hike. Okay, so you started off your trip alone, is that correct? Oh yeah, I started on May 5th on the southern border. Yeah, it was just myself. I had packed all my gear and was prepared to, to hike. And actually it was a lovely kind of misty day the first day I started. So I had a really nice hike, set up my camp, you know, relaxed that night. The next morning I woke up and uh, I found out that that misty weather condition was quite unusual <laughs> and that it was going to be very hot and very sunny and very dry for the next, uh, next couple of weeks. So my initial expectations were different. But as soon as I uh, got into Lake Morena, which is kind of the first little campground you come up to, I made a lot of new friends. And part of the hiking experience is you just kind of walk at your own pace and you meet people. And if you connect, then you kind of stick together for a bit. And if uh, you want to move on, you just kind of walk faster or slower. <laughs> That's really all it takes. And so it's very easy to make, uh, make connections, find friends, and eventually to find a group that you really stick with, a so-called trail family. I definitely met up with a good group of friends at Casa de Luna, which is unfortunately no longer there, of course. Uh, this was, for many years, a trail angel ran this beautiful little place to stop out of her house, you know, her backyard's full of these manzanita trees, and she would make us nachos and pancakes in the morning. <laughs> and when I got there and settled down for, you know, camp, I met up with some good people, and they became my trail family for the rest of the hike. Um, actually, I'm still in contact with two of them, and we're, you know, frequently traveling together, even though it's two years on. Of course, pandemic has kind of put that to a stop, but um, there's definitely been plenty of opportunities to meet people, plenty of chances to have friends. And like I said, the people I met at Casa de Luna are the people that I traveled on with up to, up to Alaska and kind of around. So how would you compare hiking alone to hiking with your trail family? You know, what changes in your level of enjoyment or what do you appreciate? Well, they're both very enjoyable experiences. Hiking alone can have a really nice solitude to it. And just the experience of being out in the wilderness within your own body. And sometimes you'll be exhausted and tired and you'll just feel the extremes of how far you can push yourself. And sometimes you'll get to the top of a ridge and it'll be so beautiful. You'll be laughing for no reason, just because you're on top of this ridge and you see the world spread out before you. And that's just the joy of being in nature. So hiking alone has some definite perks. But hiking with a group also is a wonderful experience because you have people to talk with, to hang out with. You have uh, somebody who's going to support you through your hike as you support them, you know, uh, share little bits of food with each other or good company, that kind of thing. They're both different experiences, but they're both worthwhile. So what was the hardest part of the hike for you? 
Uh, so the hardest part of the hike was definitely what made us get off trail, which was hiking through California's fire season and all this smoke. There was one point where there were three different fires, each within 20 miles of us in like this triangle shape around us. And it was like smoking a pack of cigarettes every time you took a breath. Just terrible, terrible smoke. And so we got off trail there and skipped up to Oregon and uh, figured we'd do uh, like a flip-flop and kind of get out of the smoke. But it turned out there was still smoke in Oregon. So after a couple days there, we pushed up to Washington and when we couldn't escape the wa smoke in Washington, we eventually went as far north as we could, uh, which in this case was Alaska, which is definitely not on the PCT, <laughs> and just kind of turned it into our own uh, hiking summer adventure. Spent the months that we would have been hiking the rest of the PCT on uh, more hiking, but in places that were less smoky. So do you find that there is a sort of fraternity or brotherhood for those who have done the PCT, uh, do you get like a hiker cred when you're talking with other hikers about it? I don't know about a um, hiker cred. I do know that the group I hiked with and kind of my extended trail family, the people who uh, I also met and made friends with but didn't hike as closely with, have definitely been in contact all on Facebook and social media and through texts. And there's a lot of folk that I'm still in touch with. It's kind of like, I don't know, like, like, having gone to school together or something like that, where you have this set mm -hmm. of friends who you have experienced this big experience with, and now they're still your friend circle, and you can reach out if you want to, you know, stay in touch. As far as cred goes, um, I mean, sometimes, sometimes there's definitely a, like a, oh, oh, you hiked, you know, the PCT, or you hiked for thousands of miles, that, that, that's a big deal. But I mean, I don't have the full credit yet. Maybe next year. <laughs> there tends to be something like that with mountaineers. If you've done, you know, say K2 or whatever the mountain is, um, you know, it, it's a little bit like a bragging, right? Yeah, well, maybe when I finish it next time, I'll, uh, I'll be able to change my answer. I definitely was planning to go uh, this year, but of course, uh, coronavirus made that very inadvisable. The PCTA put out an announcement saying, hey guys, sorry, but we have small communities and if you hike through these you will be a disease vector potentially endangering places with no access to hospitals yeah so would you say that hike um changed your life oh yeah oh definitely uh, uh i um restructured my life afterwards to involve more through hikes this is something I want to have in my life more often because the experience of through hiking is a completely different modality from normal life. You are able to push your body to limits that in the, the rest of the world, like the, the rest of your life, you don't really have to do. It's so easy to go to a grocery store and then sit on the couch and sit at a desk at an office and all this stuff. But when hiking, you're in touch with what life was like thousands of years ago, what, what it's like to be in nature and to just live and experience things. I found it massively, massively enjoyable and just honestly pretty almost therapeutic just to be out in nature and it's indescribable it's it really is um, but since hiking i have definitely um pushed myself a lot more towards 
remote work and the kind of stuff that I can do on trail or while hiking to bring in additional income, shifting from what I was doing before. Hmm. Because I want to be doing that more. I want to be hiking more. Of course, our world has, has definitely changed, but I'm still adapting. We'll find more ways to, to fit through hikes into, into life going forward. So it sounds like there's something very elemental about going on a hike and being on your own. And also there's the trail angels that you spoke about and having this community that you don't expect to be there, the kindness of strangers. Yeah. So one of the big takeaways for me while hiking was how fundamentally good people can be. Because it's very easy when living in a city or something to feel isolated from other people. Even though you're surrounded by people, um, it's very easy to feel as if humanity is this mass of an anonymous crowd. But when you're out hiking, you discover that you are doing this thing and there are people who want to support you just because you're doing this thing out of the kindness of their hearts, like because it's a good human thing to do. And it's really awesome to see that. And then, of course, afterwards, you get this feeling like you want to give back. And so uh, there's definitely a drive to do uh, trail angel work afterwards to help other hikers out the next year's class. So it's really nice uh, seeing the community that's formed up around these trails. Okay, so would you recommend this hike to others? And if you do, what advice would you give them? Uh, yeah, I'd recommend any through-hiking experience to others. The PCT, the CDT, which is the Continental Divide Trail, also the Appalachian Trail, which I can never be sure I'm pronouncing correctly, despite being in hiking groups for years. <laughs> but yes, all these, all these trails are um, wonderful experiences. The important thing to do is to do your prep work, do your research, get your permit, and then just jump in because you'll never know until you go. All right. Thank you so much for doing this interview with me. You're welcome. Thank you. It was an excellent experience. Thank you, Jennifer and Michael. Okay, as promised, let me explain a few things that you might not know. Through hiking is a term used in reference to hikers who complete long-distance trails from end to end in a single trip. Also, though Cheryl doesn't mention it, permits are generally required for overnight travel in wilderness areas. You can obtain a permit from an agency in which your PCT trip originates. For example, if you plan to travel from Echo Lake, you would need to contact the El Dorado National Forest since your trip would begin in that forest. They would issue a permit good for your entire trip. The PCTA, or the Pacific Crest Trail Association, issues long-distance permits for people that are heading out on trips of 500 miles or more. Michael also talked about trail angels. The PCTA talks about trail magic, also known as the trail provides. It can be a moment of extreme beauty, says the website, feelings of connectedness, or a remarkable wildlife experience that becomes trail magic when a hiker really needs it in order to continue. It's trail magic when you run into a childhood friend you haven't seen in years, or you're offered a job around the campfire, or you meet the love of your life at mile 2278. Maybe you have poison oak and find the right balm for it in a hiker's box. That's all trail magic. Again, that's from the website. If you organize some trail magic, then you are a trail angel. There are various types of organized trail magic, which includes rides. The vast community of trail town locals give rides to and from the trail because public transit doesn't exist or is inconvenient. Also, hosting. People bring hikers and horseback riders into their homes, offering safe places to sleep, wash clothes, and eat. Yes, there are horseback riders who do this trail. 
Aw, oh, Cheryl didn't mention that either, and I'm just not sure if it's because they weren't as popular in the 90s or what, but horses! Feeding hungry hikers is another way to do organized trail magic, offering picnics to hikers and horseback riders, because people like to eat. Lastly, offering professional services for free, like a foot doctor or a dentist who waives their fees in those little trail towns to help the hikers out. If you are inclined to be a trail angel, but you aren't local, the PCTA recommends that you call a restaurant along the trail during hiking season. You can offer to pay the tab of any hikers who are currently eating. So, there you go. Another thing you might not know is the Triple Crown of Hiking. This is the informal designation given to the three major U.S. long-distance hiking trails, which include the Pacific Crest Trail, the Appalachian Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail. The total length of these three trails together is 7,900 miles. Okay, it's time for my interview with Justin. My audio quality is not as good as Jennifer's, sadly, so bear with me. And then stay after the interview for a bit more of PCT trivia, including the going wild phenomenon showcased in Gilmore Girls and a quick bit of PCT controversy. Hi, thank you so much for doing this. I know it's a little weird, but I appreciate it. Justin, you are a hiker. Tell me about your hiking cred, I suppose. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I grew up, I mean, you know, my dad, I grew up with him, so we went backpacking a lot growing up, and then I uh, hiked the PCT at some point, and I still try to get out whenever I can. We actually just got back from Keens Canyon, that's why we're running a little late, because we took a wrong turn on the trail, and had to backtrack a bit. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad you're safe. <laughs> glad you're back safe. Um, how how old were you when you did the PCT? I was 27, so that would have been, I'm doing the math right, was 2011. I'm pretty sure I was 27 again. So, is the PCT the type of trail that hikers know about? Is it like the gold standard of hiking trails, or is it just really, really long? Is it really tough? I mean, obviously the book made it sound incredibly tough, but is it, I don't know, as, as a non-hiker, non-outside person, I don't know if that if it's harder than normal hiking, or if it's just longer than normal hiking. What do you think? Uh, no, it's, uh, I mean, it's long. Um, some sections are hard, some are easy. Um, there are long trails that I know are harder than it. There are long trails that I know that are easier than it, depending on kind of what you're looking for and how you do it. I mean, it's definitely a pretty popular one for like through hiking. Um, and I feel like I didn't really know about it. I mean, I kind of knew there were like long trails before I kind of did it. But I didn't really, like, have a concept of it really, like, up until I kind of stumbled across it when I was, like, trying to find something to do because I was bored and wanted to just do take off a little while. <laughs> so which part of the of the PCT did you do? I did all of it. Oh, my God, from Mexico to Canada. Yeah. Unless you're a purist, then I technically, I skipped about 40 miles in Northern California because I came back for a friend's wedding and I wanted to meet up with some people who were still on it. And at one point, me and a guy just decided to hitchhike because we wanted to go check out Cradle Lake in Oregon. Um, so if you're like a purist, then he's like, oh, you got to walk every single mile, which I, you know, it's dumb to me, unless that's really what you want to do. But yes, I went from Mexico to Canada, mostly by foot. Wow. Wow. That's, that's extreme. Have you read this book or, or seen the movie? I have not, and I was going to try to watch the movie last night because I thought it was available on one of the like streaming services we had, but that I didn't see yeah. it. Um, so about the extent that I know about it, it, it like either came out or like either the book of the movie came out the year I did the PCT and was like blowing up, 
when you do a long trail, there's like hike a telephone where things just kind of get filtered through people and stories get changed around and whatnot. But for the most part, most people are like, oh yeah, she didn't really even hike much of it at all. And just kind of, most people weren't like too impressed with what they were hearing about it. So I've never actually read it aside. Um, and then I know my dad, I think recently watched the movie and gave me a really great review of, he was apparently really hoping the main character was going to die while on the trail up until he realized that she was the one who wrote it. And then he was really disappointed because apparently he really didn't enjoy her. Oh my God. You know my dad, so I'm sure you can imagine him saying something like that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, well, she picked it up in Mojave and then went at, to Ridge something and then somewhere else. But then because there was a lot of snows in the upper Sierra, she ended up taking a Greyhound to Truckee or to Reno to Truckee to something else. So she skipped a whole bunch because of the snow. It was like mm -hmm. unprecedented snow. And then she picked it up again somewhere else and then went through Ashland and then all the way you know, through Oregon. So, and then stopped there. So it sounds pretty impressive to me as a non-outside person. So that's interesting that the hikers didn't, weren't overly impressed with it. That's, that's I mean, that, and that's a good amount of hiking. I honestly didn't realize she'd done that much. Like the way it was sent to me is like, it sounded like she kind of like started and maybe did like 200 miles and just quit or something. I also wonder about um, the geography. Like, I know where Mojave is because I'm in California and my husband has worked down there and he's worked in the Sierra. And he actually, he and your dad, actually, they, on their backpacking trip last summer, they did part of the, they, they were on the PCT for just a couple miles. So, like, and when they're talking about Truckee and they're talking about Crater Lake and they're talking, like, I've been to these places, so I kind of have a sense of how far they are. But I wonder if other people might not really understand the geography of it. But... Anyways, so how did you prepare? Obviously, you'd been hiking before this. So was there special PCT hiking preparedness? Or was this just like, just more preparing because it's longer than normal? I started researching because I did a little bit. Because um, I didn't really know about ultralight backpacking, which is like basically kind of bare minimum, kind of get lightweight gear, kind of cut down as much weight as possible. So I kind of researched that a little bit. And didn't really have gear for like long hauler stuff, so I had to buy some stuff. Um, and then I think I went on like a couple hiking trips, you know, before I did it, you know, a couple months leading up to it, but I didn't do like anything really like hardcore or anything to get ready for it. It was just like, oh, hey, let's just kind of go. You kind of have like two types of people, I think, at least when I was talking to people, like people like went crazy. Like one guy hiked with, you know, he had like spreadsheets of all like the different gear and like cost breakdowns and everything. Like super prepared, and then like another guy I met never backpacked a day in his life. Like two weeks before, went out, got a backpack, and just decided to do it, and ended up being one of the best hikers I met out there. Wow. It's usually like I mean, you can kind of say like I think having done it, you know, I can see if you hadn't done it, like you would think you want to be prepared, but really it's like you get out and because essentially I guess I mean the marathon's like what twenty six point six miles or so, and I think um, I mean by the end of it we were routinely doing 30, 35 miles a day, so it's kind of like you're doing a marathon a day, so it's like. If you're not in shape, you're going to quickly get into shape being out there. And I don't really think you can kind of prepare yourself for, like, putting your body through that. It just, like, it's impossible, I think, just in, like, normal reality to kind of prepare yourself just for, like, that level of punishment. So, What about, like, the mental aspect? Obviously, it takes a toll on your body, but you kind of expect that. Was there was it emotionally or mentally difficult, too, or just physical? Uh, yeah, there's some mental aspect because at the end of the day, you know, you're looking three, four minutes in, you're waking up and you're walking till it's dark and then you go to sleep and then you wake up and you walk till it's dark. 
and you do start running into like what is like getting bored and like odd things start happening. Like uh, I just remember, like, yeah, like about halfway through, I started hiking with a group of people. And we ended up calling ourselves Team Awkward, <laughs> just because we was like we met like at like a halfway point. Like one of the guys, his parents had set up because they lived kind of close. They set up like a little party thing for people to come by, and the next day we actually met up. And we were getting in a ride with, like, I think five of us in the back of a pickup truck. And one of the guys goes, I think there's a restaurant, like, right where they drop in. It's not the serve mimosas. And it's, like, 10 o'clock in the morning. He's like, we've walked, like, 2,000 miles already. Why not just, you know, have a few mimosas before we uh, take off and hiking? And so we go into the restaurant. And they were known to be, like, be hiker-friendly and places that maybe aren't so hiker-friendly. And so this place was supposedly hiker-friendly. And we're talking to the waitress, who was very nice. And we were like asking, like, oh yeah, we just want to eat some mimosas and whatnot. And then like one of the other guys' staff comes in and basically says, like, I hope you guys are sitting outside because you guys smell really bad. Like it's really rancid. And we were all just like, this. I mean, admittedly, we we knew we stink. Like trust us, we knew we stink. But we were planning on going outside. It was just kind of like, wait, did that really just happen? And so like we go outside and the waitress comes out. And she's apologizing. She's like, that guy's an effing asshole. And like you know, you guys are more than welcome. Don't worry, we are used to it. And like. So he really said that, and like, just like, yeah, it's a little awkward, and I'm like, yeah, and then we kind of formed Team Awkward, and then it just kind of became like, we would just do weird things just to amuse ourselves, like, I remember one time we did like, we called it a cave rave, one of us had some music on the phone, and we found glow sticks, and so we were just like, a bunch of dirty hikers in this cave dancing around, do like cheesy dance music at night, and, uh, we did, you know, there's lots of naked hiking, pranking going on. Were you with a group most of the time? Or were you, was it a mix of being with people and being by yourself? I went by myself and you kind of just like, at least for me, I was just like in and out of groups depending like, if I was hiking faster than some people, you know, eventually we'd be like, okay, I was going to go separate ways or, you know, they might hike faster than you or people want to take an extra day here or there. So you kind of like funnel in and out of groups. Sometimes you lose some people for a week or a month or so and then suddenly you hook back up with them. One guy I hiked with for probably about a week, he was like this 70-year-old guy. Um, he was awesome. His name was Sunset because he was from Sunset Retirement Community in North Carolina. And I was just sitting down eating my dinner and he just kind of walked over to me and sat down and said, so guy, where are we going tomorrow? And that's how we ended up hiking together for like the next week or so. Wow. So it's just kind of like, it's a very fluid situation. Like I don't, I remember, like, there's some couples who I know, like, kind of stuck together and hiked the whole way with most people. Most people was kind of, like, even if you started off with somebody, generally just things change and happen. You just kind of filter in and out of groups. With the people kind of funneling in and out, did you make any friendships that then lasted beyond the hike? Or were they just hike relationship, hike friendships that then ended when you went your separate ways? No, there's still people. Um, I'm really bad at keeping in touch with people. Like, if it's not within my immediate view, I'm not usually like I'm not like someone's just gonna like call someone if I haven't seen it in a while. But I am someone like, oh, if, like in the same town or something. Like, hey, I know you used to live here. Do you still live here? Let's meet up. Or hey, I think I'm going backpacking. and think I'm close to you. And so every now and then, it's like you get messages or whatnot. And it's anyone I know I hike with, like, will you just like pick back up where you left off? So. Still friends, but yeah, it's not like close because everyone's kind of moving around, things kind of happen, so. Did it change your life? Obviously, that's the theme of this book, that it was a big spiritual moment for her, but did it change your life, or was it just a grand adventure? It was a good adventure. I don't think it changed my life in any prolific way. Like, I didn't come out going, I suddenly have the answers. I think a lot of people, I think even if myself sometimes you kind of get attracted to something like that because you're like, oh, hey, you're just trying to figure things out. Um, and, like, it kind of helped figure some things out. And I have noticed, like, some things, like, 
have changed about me. Like, for instance, I was a basically a dirty bachelor guy beforehand, and probably bad to admit, but multiple times I would just, like, look at the sink and I'd have a dishwasher and just be like, this is just hopeless, and just trash it all up and start over again with the dishes and whatnot. <laughs> Hasn't happened since then. I'm like, no, it's horrible. Um, I've always been bugged by, like, grocery store packaging of food because it's always excessive, but now it's, like, really annoying to me. And, like, I really have problems, like, throwing crap away that, like, because, like, after you've dug through the trash pit, fat can out of the middle of nowhere looking for a water bottle because you know you need to increase your capacity. You start looking at like that Gatorade bottle that, you know, beforehand people just like toss away and kind of go like, no, I could use this. And like, you know, people like look at this like the single use. And it's like, I've had a Gatorade bottle that I've been reusing before for like three years. And like the stuff is kind of last. It's like a lot of that, I think kind of, while it was there beforehand, like kind of got amplified. Interesting. So you were doing this in the time of cell phones and internet and such so were you able to keep in touch were you checking in with like your folks and other people along the way yeah yeah um yeah was, you know when you dunk it into town or something shoot my parents a text message or give them a call so yeah i mean you're definitely you're not within cell phone range a lot so you're still kind of but yeah you're definitely not isolated at all and there's definitely people all along the way pretty easy to stay in contact that's interesting and in the book, she's doing this in 1995, so obviously it was it was longer ago, but she had, you know, days and days and weeks where she wouldn't see anybody, and then she'd meet, bunch up with other hikers and stuff, and I thought that was interesting, but it sounds like, I, well, and it might be the time of the year, so how long did it take you? What what was the length of time like? What were your, your dates? I think total, it was about five and a half months. So, this is a stupid question, maybe, but... Five and a half months of basically walking a marathon almost every day, and then you get home, like, what do you do two days later? Like, I'm imagining the first day home you rest, and you're like, oh my god, give me all the food, and like, I want to sit down. But then like, the next day, are you just antsy? Do you, does your body like, go through a weird thing where now you're, like, you gain a bunch of weight because suddenly you're not as active? Or did you buy a treadmill just to keep moving? I mean, how did, how is the transition? out of the wilderness. So it was kind of nice. Um, I have a buddy of mine, um, he's kind of like a travel buddy, and, and he couldn't do the trail with me, but he was like, oh, well, we used to do these yearly trips, so let's maybe, once I get into Canada, let's meet up and we'll just do like a kind of travel back. And then he was like, if you need a place to live afterwards, you know, me and you actually get along well, and you're probably the only guy I can stand living with, so why don't you just move in with me for a day? Um, but I actually finished a little earlier than when he was going to be able to get out. Um, and it turned out we had some other friends of ours who were house-sitting a really cool spot in uh, Seattle. And it was like, hey, just come stay with us. And they were just pretty mellow. They, like, got to their house, and they was like, yeah, do whatever you want to do. And I just remember, like, I would just never really been to Seattle, so I would just, like, take off and just go wandering around, walking all over Seattle. Just kind of, like, decompressing. Getting back to, like, cars everywhere at the fast pace was just very bizarre. I don't remember like really putting on a lot of weight or anything. Um, still ate a lot, like was walking a lot. The other thing I do remember was the first day, probably about two weeks after being off the trail, of getting up and wondering what the hell was wrong because nothing hurt and feeling very disturbed by that fact. And it's still like, it's still, when like we go out hiking, like if I really just trash my body and like I wake up the next day, like my legs are sore and whatnot, it just feels right to feel like the way things should be and like when things aren't like that like it was just very odd to me a lot of the pct a lot of the hikers out there it was not just 
yeah, about the physical position, but it's like everyone, it kind of felt like was definitely into like just seeing how far you could push your body because it wasn't just the hiking, like the amount of people who were cigarette smokers out there is astonishing. The amount of like other things going on out there. Yeah, you, I don't know if you said anything, but you're looking like, wait, how the hell are they smoking cigarettes out there? I was walking with a guy who was an amazing hiker, could sit there, out hike me, and I'm a pretty fast hiker, out hike me with one hand, he would roll his cigarette, smoking about two drags, going uphill and not drop a beat. And it's just like, you're like looking at this, it's like, oh, these people aren't just trying to destroy their bodies physically, they're just trying to do everything they can just to, you know, see what you can do. Wow. So it's an interesting thing. So yeah, I can see for a lot of people, it's probably just like, yeah, no, not into that. So it was a number of years ago when you did this. Are you going to do it again? I would love to do another trail. Um, actually, after I got in a car accident in February, and so I was seriously contemplating doing the Continental Divide Trail, um, in the end kind of decided against it. Um, it'd be something that'd be really nice to do, but it is also a very big commitment to be like, you know, you gotta put your life on hold, gotta find, you know, a way to have an income or have savings to go, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's a little, kind of a lot. So I don't know if I would ever do like a full trail again unless something really, you know, win the lottery and suddenly can afford <laughs> to do something like that. But I definitely wouldn't mind doing like sectioning like the CDT or some of the other trails out there and like still going for like at least a couple weeks at a time. And now, is there a hierarchy of trails, like the Appalachian Trail and the PCT and the, you said the Continental Divide, like where some are just seen as, as like bigger deals than others? Or is it more about the sections and the miles that are done? See, that's like kind of a hard thing to say because it's a big saying, like when I was hiking, I still think it's out there, it's like hike your own hike, like what works for you works for you. Like, I love that phrase, actually. That's... Yeah. Like, um, I, I, have like a lot, I have a lot of people like, they'll ask me like, oh, hey, like I want to go backpacking, what do I need to get? And the first thing I say is like, I can't tell you that. I can just tell you what worked for me and what I did. Um, and you kind of just put this, like I was telling like, here's an instance. I had really bad foot problems starting off on the PCT. Still kind of do, but you know, I switched over. Someone suggested like, hey, why don't you try out this type of shoes with this insert? It worked. To this day, I have not bought any other types of shoes. I'm for life, probably just going to buy my Lost Petiva Wildcats with my blue Superkeed insert because it works. Um, I have, you know, other people I know, like, they go through tons of shoes, so always trying out new things to find something better. I'm like, no, I just found something that works for me, and that works for me, but that might not work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I will say, like, a lot of us when we were on the PCT kind of felt a little bit cheated on the wildness just because there was so many people on it. Like, we had to try really hard when we got lost. Like, we had to purposely just be flagrantly ignorant about taking turns and trying our best to get lost. Um, just because it was way too easy. Like, you didn't really need a map most of the time because you're going to pass people or it's pretty well worn out. I think something like the year I did, I think maybe 2,000 people attempted the PCT, and I think it was maybe 150 people attempted the CDT. Um, and then, like, the Appalachian Trail is completely different. Like, I knew someone who was doing the PCT. They had already done the Appalachian Trail, and they started PCT. They like, I don't like the PCT. This is not the scenery I want to go into. And they went back and just did the Appalachian Trail again. But like the Appalachian Trail is even more popular than PCT, but it's also a completely different dynamic in what you're hiking in. So yeah, I feel I would feel very not right about ranking them. It's just in terms of kind of what you're looking for and what you want to do. 
That's interesting. Um, I wonder how much maintenance they they get. It, one of the main parts of the book is that she does get almost lost and actually lost a couple times because there's snow and there's like no markers and you know and I, I'm guessing part of that is her inability to really understand how her compass works and to read her maps and her guidebook and whatever. But it definitely seemed um, dangerous in a way that when you're talking about it doesn't quite seem as dangerous. So that's, I'm wondering that the difference is just in the 1995 versus the year that you did it, or if it was like her perception. I like what you said about hiking your own hike. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. See, I mean, it's definitely more popular. Oh man, I met this really awesome, uh, older woman, uh, forget, I think it might've been in Oregon. I met her, uh, she was doing some trail angeling and like helping people out. Um, but I was getting a ride from her, and she was talking to me, to me about how she hiked it back in 71, and was telling me about, yeah, like, they wore blue jeans, and, you know, it was going over, like, the gear, and she's like, yeah, your guys' gear is just fascinating to me compared to what we were working with, and, like, you know, them catching their food, and, like, you know, like, I think it definitely has become a lot more sanitized and, yeah, safer just due to probably the amount of people out there. Yeah, it was, say, like, 95, yeah, you're looking at probably, it probably would have been a little bit harder, for sure. It, it's not really related. I'm going to go on a tangent. My sister just read a book about how there's only some places in the world that are left where it actually gets truly dark because of light pollution. And it's like you have to actively seek out dark places where you can actually see the sky because, you know, anyways, and, and how it, it's harder and harder to find those dark places. And I feel like there's probably an element of, of wild places too where it's harder and harder to find the wild places because once people start finding them and talking about them and hiking them and then suddenly now there's 2,000 people who are hiking them and walking them and and you know now there's convenience stores and you know what I mean it, it just changes a little bit I think that's yeah. kind of interesting anyway I feel like you've kind of answered all my questions is there anything anything else about it that you would want to say or leave with the listeners yeah, um, no, I don't know. Thank you, Justin. I really appreciate this. This is very cool. Thanks, Justin. So as promised, the PCT and Gilmore Girls. If you watched the 2016 revival on Netflix, you already know what I'm referring to. But just in case. Lorelai Gilmore is coping with the loss of her father with whom she had a complicated relationship, while also dealing with the intricacies of her romantic relationship with Luke. Eventually, the stress drives Lorelai to travel from her small town in Stars Hollow, Connecticut to the Pacific Crest Trail to, quote, do wild and figure out her life. As she gets ready to start her journey, Lorelai is confronted with dozens of other women, all there to do the same thing. Of course, they are a group of women with tribal lines of book wild versus movie wild. Here's a clip. Tried talking to her last night. 
She just looks right through you. Somebody told me she's a crazy heiress who does nothing but hike all year long. Someone told me she lost two toes during a free snowstorm. Okay, can I get the attention of the wild ladies? Movie or book? It actually doesn't matter. It matters to us. See? That guy, he was asking for her permit, because he's a park ranger. And those women? Well, they were part of the wild phenomenon. According to the data compiled by the Outdoor Foundation, while only 48% of adults pitching tents in 2011 were women, the number rose to 60% in 2014. So no idea if 2014 was the peak year or not, but obviously the book Wild had a huge impact on not just the people hiking, but also the gender of the people hiking the PCT. Okay, so spoilers for Gilmore Girls, the year in the life, the revival. Lorelai doesn't end up actually completing her hike, or really starting it. She doesn't even make it past that park ranger because she forgets her permit. She does, however, stumble upon a mountain vista that takes her back the way, brings her to tears, and provides her with the clarity that she's been looking for. So this just affirms my opinion that enlightenment can be found anywhere, which is why I look for it in my bedroom, which sounds dirtier than I actually meant it. I meant like I like to sleep and I like to read books in my comfy chair and yeah, totally not, not dirty. Okay, so one last little bit of our supplemental today is some name checking of some PCT Trailblazers badasses. Yep, I said Trailblazers. So before the PCT became an official trail, Martin Papendick was the first known person to hike across three states in the PCT in 1952. After being one of the first to finish the Appalachian Trail in 1951, Papendick hiked between July 4th and December 1st, 1952 from British Columbia to the Mexico-U.S. border over the crests of the mountains along the Pacific Coast, a feat he reported in a periodical under the title Pacific Crest Trails. In October 16th, 1970, Eric Ryback, an 18-year-old student, completed the first PCT thru-hike. Ryback is credited, recognized, and has been honored by the Pacific Crest Trail Association as the official first through hiker of the entire trail. He completed the Appalachian Trail in 1969 as a 16-year-old, the Pacific Crest Trail in 1970, and a route approximating today's Continental Divide Trail in 1972. So he's one of those triple crown people. Then he wrote a book called The High Adventures of Eric Ryback, Canada to Mexico on foot. He carried an 80-pound pack on his 1970 through hike. He had only five resupply packages the entire trip, and he was loaded with 40 pounds of food at the start of each leg. He often ran out of food and foraged or went hungry. He also helped the Forest Service lay out future plans. Oh, here's our controversy. His claim is disputed. When the guidebook publisher Wilderness Press stated that Ryback had used motor transport in places along the PCT, Ryback sued for $3 million, but withdrew the suit after Wilderness Press revealed statements from the people who claimed to have picked up the hiker along the highways parallel to the 2,600-mile trail. So, they had receipts. Ryback is in the Smithsonian's top nine list of people cheating their way to fame, though it notes that the claims that Ryback cheated are still doubted by some. You can be the judge of that. A couple other names worth noting. The first person to hike the PCT from south to north was Richard Watson in 1972. The first woman to complete the PCT was Mary Carstens, who finished the journey later in 1972. She was accompanied by a dude. The first person to thru-hike the entire PCT both ways in a single continuous round trip, because he apparently had nothing else to do, was Scott Williamson. He did it in 2004. In 2014, Olive McLoyne from Ireland became the first woman to thru-hike the PCT both ways in a single continuous round trip. 
The youngest person to hike the trail is Christian Thomas Geiger, who at the age of six completed the trail with his parents. Christian, also known by his trail name, Buddy Backpacker, is also the youngest person to hike the Appalachian Trail. The youngest girl was a nine-year-old by the name of Sierra Burrow, who did it in 2012. Teddy Boston hiked the PCT South from Canada to Mexico at the age of 49 and is the first woman to hike the trail alone. And as we know, Cheryl Strayed hiked it in 1995 at age 26 and then wrote a book and then there was a movie. The first two reported deaths of the Pacific Crest Trail were also in 1995, but in November. Thorough hikers Jane and Flicka Rodman were killed during a detour down California State Route 138 in Southern California when they were struck by a motorist who lost control of his vehicle. They were less than 400 miles from their goal of reaching the Mexico-U.S. border. So congratulations to all of those fine folks. You all are awesome. And this sums up our supplemental episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you again for your ongoing support of the Pages and Popcorn podcast. And if you want to share your thoughts, feedback, or plans for your own hike to the PCT, please email us at pagesandpopcornpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, the trail provides.